This episode is brought to you by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Protico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. The 27th annual United Nations Climate Change Conference, also known as COP27, began on Sunday, and the U.S. is entering those talks suddenly open to do something it's resisted for years. The Biden administration is softening its resistance to paying reparations to nations already suffering from the damages of climate change. But there's a big catch. The U.S. will only pay if China also pays too, since Beijing is now the world's top driver of emissions causing climate change and will continue to be for decades. So today we check in with Politico Zach Coleman to discuss the potential about-face and position from the U.S. and what vulnerable countries are demanding. It's Tuesday, November 8th. So, Zach, the fight over climate reparations, a concept known as loss and damage, is going to be a centerpiece of the ongoing UN climate conference in Egypt. So tell us what that's all about and why it's the big focus now. This is the idea that essentially there is a moral obligation from rich countries to pay those nations that are suffering from the effects of climate change to the point where they have lost land or cultural heritage, that they're owed some compensation because these are not the countries that cause climate change, but it's rich countries like the US and the European Union who have been contributing to climate change since the dawn of the Industrial Revolution have caused. So it's the first time this conversation has ever been on the official UN climate change agenda at the COP. And there is an open willingness now by the US and the EU to consider some sort of financial arrangement that pays for those losses and damages because I mean they're very clear. I mean, there is a very clear moral and justice-based reason that these demands are being made because the countries that are suffering the worst from climate change are not the ones who cause it, and they're most likely the least likely able to pay for adjusting to those damages. Gotcha. In your reporting, the Biden administration is signaling it's willing to pay for climate reparations, which the U.S. has long been resistant to doing, but with a catch. So what are they thinking of doing here? Well, so the Biden administration is taking the U.S. in a different tack than where the U.S. has been in the past. I mean, the U.S. used to walk away from the table whenever loss and damage came up because there was concern about this legal liability question. Now, in the Paris Climate Agreement, the U.S. led a push to basically explicitly say that loss and damage has nothing to do with liability and compensation. So as long as these conversations do not cross that line of holding anyone legally liable for these emissions, then that is going to be safe ground for the U.S. to engage. But they also are now trying to say that other developing nations, not just the rich countries that have contributed a bulk of the emissions to this point, but also ones that will be contributing to climate change in the future, like China, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, they should also be paying into this fund. And that is a huge sticking point here in the negotiations, because right now, as it's conceived, a lot of these developing nations don't believe that they should be on the hook for paying for loss and damage, because in the year 2022, but still the U.S. that is the largest historical emitter. But if you look at China, I mean, they are the largest current emitter. And if you track forward 30 years, they're going to be emitting 
far more than the U.S. So shouldn't they also have to pay into this fund that is accounting for loss and damage that will continue to go on for many years if climate change continues unabated? That's the argument that the U.S. and the EU are making. Interesting. And developing countries, though, do seem skeptical of the U.S. calling out China as part of this discussion. So why are they worried that that could backfire? Well, because this is been a topic that the U.S. and the EU have resisted for many years. If you start throwing up new conditions that must be met, there is a sense that this is just a delay tactic. And it's hard to argue with that when you've had years of this conversation brewing in the background, and the U.S. has typically been the one at the table saying, no, thank you, we don't want to do this. And now they're saying, okay, we'll do this. But if you also get China involved and all these other countries involved, it's a moving the goalpost scenario for a lot of countries that literally is life or death for them on this issue. So you can see in which there is progress on this issue and that it's being talked about at all, but frustration as well that there are now these new conditions. Yeah, so the U.S. being willing to engage with the topic of reparations is being seen as progress by vulnerable countries. But as you just said, I mean, they do want the U.S. to do more. So what more are they demanding? I think that there is hope here that the U.S. will still come up with some money, even if China doesn't agree yet. But I don't think that there's an expectation this year that we'll leave this conference with X amount of dollars being agreed to to go to loss and damage. What we're in right now is this process called the Glasgow Dialogue. It was an agreement at last year's COP that basically said, let's keep talking through the end of 2024 about how we can address these concerns about loss and damage. The U.S. in the background right now is sort of saying, well, we don't necessarily think that a new entire mechanism for loss and damage funding specifically needs to be set up. This is what a lot of developing countries want, a new specific fund, because they want to make sure that it's additional to all the other money that goes towards mitigation. But the U.S. and to an extent the EU as well are also saying, well, if we created a new facility is what the UN term is called, then it could take a long time to set that up when these effects are happening right now. So should we just assess the current funding streams and institutions that we have to be able to get this money to countries that need it faster? That is the U.S. line so far. Again, there's a little bit of skepticism here from developing nations who say we would rather have that money in a separate account that we know is for loss and damage so we know this is new money because a lot of this stuff is difficult to track. Also, it's election day, everyone, and here's what to expect for energy policy in the next term of Congress if Republicans, as expected, take over at least the House starting in January. Expect a lot of oversight hearings about the Interior Department's pause on oil and gas leasing and the Energy Department's loans to clean energy companies under the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law and the Inflation Reduction Act. You should also expect a legislative push to update energy permitting rules, as Representative Kevin McCarthy, who likely would become Speaker if Republicans win the House, is expected to make permitting reform a top priority. There might be an opportunity for bipartisan efforts on other smaller measures. Lawmakers in both parties, environmentalists and lobbyists, are eyeing the pending reauthorization of the Farm Bill next year, which comes due every five years, as an opportunity to advance policies to encourage climate-friendly farming practices. 
But overall, some Republicans have said they don't want to give Democrats anything that could look like a legislative win going into the 2024 presidential election. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by Chevron, the human energy company. Did you know that Chevron is working with partners in California to convert the methane from cow waste into renewable natural gas that one day can help fuel trucks across the nation? Find out more at chevron.com slash RNG.